Hey, who made you a disc jockey? Welcome from all of us to all of you. If you want to know how glad we are to have you with us, just you listen. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. I'm a bunch of a-holes. Wow. Episode 163. Well, we missed an episode again, and that's my fault. It's uh, amazingly, this free podcast does not pay the bills and the company that does. I work in software, and sometimes that means you work at 3 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. That's true. And you spend Sunday weekly sipping beer and wishing you were dead. And when Amanda says you, you want to read a children's funny book, you drool and fart and roll over and sleep for another two hours. Certain things are beyond me if I've been at the office at three in the morning on Saturday. You make yourself sound so attractive. Um, I, I think I'm fairly accurate. I've always I've always felt like I try to put an accurate picture out there of a drooling moron <laughs> with a drinking problem who spends too much time uh, tinkering around with computers mm. and, and funny books. Computers and... Fu- I should be swirlied every day of my life. The fact that I'm not... Uh, is just baffling to me. He's all mine, ladies. All mine. <laughs> Back off. Uh, yeah, you poor woman. <laughs> You're going straight to heaven. Please send me a telex. <laughs> uh, all right, one thing I did want to start out with, uh, in our last episode, we went at length about uh, at New York Comic Con, the first six pages of Doomsday Clock by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank was released, and uh, I ranted and bitched and complained. and Frothed at the mouth. Yeah, and did uh, point out in the show notes, uh, now I recognize uh, many people who listen to the show, just get it straight from RSS, because minimizing your contact with us in any way really is a wise choice. <laughs> uh, there's, there, there's odors. There's potentially contagious things. Through the computer? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, being on this, nobody ever died being too careful. <laughs> But uh, in that case, if you didn't see the show notes, I'll cop to we read the thing uh, literally 20 minutes before we uh, went on air, as it were, and uh, because of that, uh, missed a few things. Uh, The first thing that I'll fully admit I missed, considering I ranted so long about this only takes place three weeks after the end of Watchmen. No, that's wrong. That was me being stupid. That was idiotic. Uh, It was pointed out to me afterwards that uh, the very first caption uh, says that it takes place in 1992. So a few years at least have passed since the <laughs> since the the giant uh, vagina, uh, wh- whatever it is that attacked New York City. I uh, thought of it as a squid. <laughs> sure, but th- that big splash page, duh. squid. Th- there's certain nightmares that one could have. We'll go with squid. We'll stick with squid for God's sake, for our own sanity. <laughs> so. All right, so there's a span of time, and actually the owner of our local comic book store pointed out, you know, oh, all right, around November 1992, that's when in (laughs) our universe, Earth Prime, are we Earth Prime or Earth Zero? I don't know. Right right here, right now? Uh, Yeah, uh, us. You know we're not in a comic book, right? (laughs) Look, don't take my dreams away. It's all I fucking have (laughs) at this point. Something like weird Roger Rabbit shit I'm here. I'm I'm head desking (laughs) at the office at three in the morning going, will I get powers being exposed to this many fucking rads from a TV screen? I I think we're Earth Zero. Okay. I think. Whatever Earth we are, uh, that is when uh, the death of Superman uh, was going on and, and all the hype around that. So it does make a certain amount of sense to have that kind of timing for Doomsday Clock, uh, hence the name. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure the fact that it's four or five years, six, seven years after uh, the events of Watchmen uh, really 
change my dire opinion <laughs> of those six pages too much. Uh, I think spoilers, all it means is, oh, okay, it means that Rorschach did not have a comic book resurrection uh, based on, and I said, oh, I don't want to spoil the thing uh, that could change all of Adrian Veet's motivations for Watchmen. Yeah, you know what? If it's seven years later, uh, that's not the case. Uh, yeah, if you read those pages carefully, uh, as they go through Karnak, the soldiers do, there's a CAT scan. He probably has a brain tumor. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'd lay a good... 500 American dollars if I had to that it's Adrian in the Rorschach costume because you can't have a Watchmen story without Rorschach somehow and nobody really gives a shit about Asamandias anyway I don't know because I know that later on there are some uh, covers of things that happen over the course of this doomsday thing where it appears that Adrian has his hand on Lex Luthor's shoulder it does appear that and we did Talk about that a little bit, I think, during the show. Yeah. It, uh, look, masks come off. You know, <laughs> Do they? He, he could be living a triple life as a, <laughs> as a weird uh, billionaire in hiding now as everybody wants his head for mm. what he did to New York, uh, somehow fucking around with Lex Luthor and fighting Batman. Making the good choices. Because we know Rorschach's going to fight Batman. We're all aware of that, right? We're let, Let's all just take a deep breath and center ourselves. Just... We're not getting to the end of Doomsday Clock without somebody in a Rorschach costume fighting somebody in a Batman costume. Period. We're not getting away from it. I like Jeff John's writing, but he's I don't think he's that imaginative to find a way out of it. He couldn't get six pages in without showing Rorschach. You make this sound so appealing. Could you go back to the part where you were describing uh, your general state of being after working until three in the morning last weekend? I smelled much like a foot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing that a friend of the show, Ross Garmil, pointed out, because uh, he emailed me after the show, and he's like, I didn't even make it past the first panel, because, yeah, the date with the 1992, he didn't even see the 1992, because he saw November 23rd and said, oh, JFK reference, you pieces of shit. You couldn't get two words in without getting clever. <laughs> Trying to Alan Moore up the first two, not even the, the first word and integer. Of a fucking comic series, and you had to get clever on it. <laughs> and yet, I have added this to my pull list because I am a co host of a comic book podcast. DC will get 60 of my Yankee dollars. I was going to say, you have a codependency issue with Jeff Johns. No, <laughs> I just know that when I get tuned up, it can be good radio. Yes. Therefore, <laughs> there will be at least. 12 episodes, no matter how late I have to work next year, <laughs> if we only talk about Doomsday Clock. So okay. that's just the main thing I wanted to write. Yeah, we missed a big thing, which should have changed our opinion and did change my opinion about a couple things, none of them for the better. <laughs> so, so yes, again, anytime I, th- I think I sound like I'm smart, <laughs> I couldn't get to the second integer to figure out what fucking gear the thing was happening. Derp. Well, you know, things that are rage-inducing cause people to miss small details like dates. How can I be expected to read when somebody is burning toast in this place? For Christ's (laughs) sake, the stench, it's just awful. What's that twitch? (laughs) (laughs) What does the stroke smell like? Is it a burning toast? That's That's what what they say. All right. (laughs) Comic book movie, is it? Uh, is it Justice League? That's in like three weeks. I don't know. When's Thor or is coming it out? Ragnarok? I think it's Thor. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we'll 
that, that'll be the next, you know, ooh, we've got something cool to talk about. Although Punisher's in there somewhere, too, on Netflix, isn't it? Unless it's been pushed back yet again. Uh, yeah, with various uh, news events. Yes. The Marvel works on such a fucking clockwork schedule. It may be done. It may just be they're waiting for there to be less awfulness in the world to drop it. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I, I'm sure that Daredevil Season 3 or Luke Cage Season 2 is going to rely on it. The, the releases... Marvel is, yes, like a stopwatch, like a finely tuned John Osterman Watchman watch, except when it comes to Inhumans. It's a movie. No, it's a TV show. It's an IMAX, and nobody wants it in IMAX. We still haven't watched that one. Well, there's only so much 3D Blue Wang, really. <laughs> it, it comes back to that. <laughs> and it shouldn't. It's Blue Wang. Why do we keep coming back to... <laughs> what? I huh? don't know. Okay, why do we keep coming back to Blue Wang? <laughs> I think it's because of this fine Berkshire Brewing <laughs> Company. I'm back to basics today. The Steel Rail, Extra Pale Ale. I am open to endorsements once again. I'm on Diet Coke right now, but uh, in about, I don't know, whenever we're done with this, I'm going to have a fist of whiskey. Fist of whiskey, yes. That's when you have so many fingers worth of whiskey that at that point it's a fist. Yeah. Oh, we've we've discussed discussed the fist of whiskey. I, I forget because I drink. I think we've named an episode after the <laughs> fist possible. of whiskey. <laughs> you do. You are aware there are microphones, right? This is not just us getting hammered and talking about comics. Who sent you? <laughs> the, the flying fist of whiskey. It's, <laughs> if we add the the adjective, we can probably get away with using it as a title again. <laughs> So yeah, we just got some books to talk about this week. We had some decent ones. Some uh, none of them were really bad this week. Uh, one of them was uh, oh really? This is what Marvel Legacy is. Marvel Legacy is now in full effect. We've had Marvel Legacy one. What was it about three weeks ago? Mm. And now the actual they've renumbered everything back to like the last eight years have never happened. <coughs> and <laughs> but it's not a reboot. It most certainly is not a reboot. <laughs> And that's not me being facetious. Yeah. As I, I'm read, we'll talk about Iron Man first. As I was reading Iron Man, I'm like, you can call this anything you want. You can stick all the fucking retro ads and, you know, ooh, here's a little stamp, you know, that for the kids who are reading, you know, all, all the kids <laughs> who are reading comics these days, you know, who catch the bus and then the train to the middle of town and find the one comic store. And yeah, they're. Is it significant that there are 53 Marvel value stamps? It seems to be like we have one more cool thing going for us than DC. Why did I not do the spinal tap? Well, it's one louder. <laughs> it's one louder than DC. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why. I'm an alcoholic. All right. So yeah, Invincible Iron Man 593. So we're back to the original numbering after God knows how many volumes. So I don't know if this is we're back to volume one five ninety three or if it's volume four hundred and twenty six, number five ninety three. Either way, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Stefano Caselli and Alex Maleev. I am glad they've gone back to the uh, the old issue numbering. I, yeah. I never really. I understood the logic behind let's have a new number one every eight months, whether anybody wants it or not. I never necessarily believed it i mean has a new number one ever gotten you to buy a comic book of, of a title that you know has been out for forever um no i mean i suppose it has for me because all right well if it's a number one maybe we have to talk about it on the show but i mean well, i think it depends define forever i when they rebooted supreme and glory <laughs> that's a little bit different yeah so it, i bought those number ones th this is not an iron man reboot no as much as they want us to kind of believe it to be. 
Yeah. No, I, I'm not even seeing anything in the fine print on the back pages that indicate whether or not this is going to be the start of a new volume. Yeah. I, it's going to fuck up a bunch of comic book database programs, but they all have their own numbering system anyway. Yeah. So, so. yeah, I, I never understood. I never bought into, oh, we'll do number one and we'll get a whole bunch of new readers because part of it is I yeah I started reading comics as a kid which I'm not sure happens a lot anymore and I never gave a fuck about issue numbers until I was maybe eight or nine years old I mean I liked Spider-Man I didn't care if it was Amazing Spider-Man or Marvel Tales or Spectacular Spider-Man or Marvel Team-Up it was Spider-Man that's all I gave a shit about saying that oh no you have to it's we have to do a new number one otherwise people will think they have to go back and read all these Marvel comics it's like saying oh I like Led Zeppelin shit I better start with Bill Haley and the Comets and then maybe <laughs> I can move to the Platters I think I should a, get the Yardbirds no nobody should have to get the Yardbirds <laughs> <They> overrated <laughs> Yardbirds the Dazzler of <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm beginning to think that about Iron Man considering this is the return of Tony Stark no Tony Stark and no Iron Man. Discuss. There's Iron Man armor. There certainly is. And at this point, I think they're trying to make the case that it's the armor and less about the person who's in it, given uh, how many people are, are currently trying to inhabit that armor. <laughs> yeah, which has been an argument for Iron Man since back in the 80s, the first time Rhodey took over when uh, Tony had his little drinking problem. He should have stuck with fine Berkshire Brewing <laughs> Company. Anyway. Yeah, it's... <laughs> There's, there's no Iron Man. There's some dude, might be Tony, might be a clone. Well, we open with Tony, bearded Tony that we've all come to know and whatever, um, is in his, his cryopod um, healing because he's got all of the various nano whatever going through his bloodstream because he's been secretly upgrading himself. Which is probably what's been happening. He's been in this mysterious coma since the end of Civil War Two. Yeah. So... Uh, somebody approaches and ominously puts their hand over the pod. And the next thing we know, Tony has disappeared. Well, I didn't even notice that the first time going through. It was uh, when we sat down to to record tonight, you, you pointed that out. And I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't see that at all. Because, yeah, I assumed I missed that completely. Look, it's a Bendis issue. Which well, means- you wouldn't notice from the first page because there's, there's no dialogue until the bottom. And, but then, then Bendis can't help himself, and Friday manages to have her own talking head episode across two pages. A double-page spread. Of exposition. Of, yes, a floating, non-moving, artificial intelligence just talking directly to the reader. This is a 20-page story, and we spend 10% of it being lectured by... Friday. By robots. Not even a robot, a, a hologram. <laughs> but yeah, a weird pink hologram. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I, I miss the days of dudes talking around a table. Bendis, although we got plenty of that. Although <sighs> it, was, it was more women talking around a table, which is fine. But yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, look, Marvel has painted themselves into a, a corner with Iron Man. There's not a lot they can do between Civil War II and Secret Empire. They have to come up with some kind of story where Tony Stark comes back. Yes. If they're really going to commit to, oh, the idea of legacy and we'll bring back the main characters, even though it might mean in some cases there's characters using the same name or 700 we'll talk about in a minute. (laughs) Well, again, is it about the armor or is it about who is inhabiting the armor? 
Uh, given the percentage of the gross that Robert Downey Jr. gets, <laughs> I know what his opinion is. I, I don't what disagree. What Kevin Feige's opinion probably is. But I think it's also what this book and Thor 700 share. Yeah, you're probably right. Because, uh, yeah, that's the thing that we're we're seeing pretty much across the board. The new heroes with the name, the, the heroes who have theoretically taken on the legacy, uh, X-23 for Wolverine, uh, Riri Williams for Ironheart, uh, Jane Foster for Thor, they are all sticking around. This is just the return of the original ones. Which It's, it's less of a, a reboot and more of a reintegration. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, in a lot of cases, I, I like some of these newer heroes. Sure, uh, I like the Jane Foster Thor. Uh, I think I think where it's been the most successful has been where they've had characters who have been long existing within the continuity step up into the legacy role, whereas some of the others that have been more recently created and then added to the storyline. I think that's where we're seeing more of the hiccups. I think you're probably dead right because there's there's no weight behind Riri Williams. No, it's a well written character, and it, and it, and she's I, I think for a certain segment of the, of the reading population, they're excited because of the representation piece and and good on them because we need more diverse characters. Yeah, and that, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, but but I think that you know in the case of say X twenty three in Wolverine. Um, Laura's been a character who's been around for a while on her own. Yeah. And so then, she she had her whole she had a whole complex storyline and past happening. <laughs> uh, yeah, and a, a connection with Logan, the same way Jane Foster had a connection with Thor. It's uh, that's where you get some weight behind it. There, yeah, there's history, and there is the concept of legacy. These are characters who have walked alongside of, or worked with, or lived with these characters for years if not decades so yeah when one falls for that character to then pick up the mantle that's the concept of legacy yeah for riri williams uh okay tony's in a coma and i just guess who we just found yeah, over in this corner it's like highlanders <laughs> like one falls the other one rises it's <laughs> Yeah, only none of them are Sean Connery. Yeah, they're they're the they're the dude who played Tom Sawyer <laughs> in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Jesus, I, I don't know who it is, <laughs> and uh, I don't think he knows who he is. I think we we would find him wandering the streets at this point. I may, I may washing have, car windows. I may have dropped some changes. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Cup. <laughs> you never know. So yeah, no, I think you're you're dead right. Some of the legacy has worked better than others, and I think yeah, a lot of it is. Did the character that took over uh, really have a history with this character? I think the one outlier of that is Miles Morales because, yeah, Ultimate Universe has always been its own thing or was its own thing Mm -hmm. where you could take chances. And, yeah, Peter Parker had a history, but when Peter Parker went down in Ultimate Spider-Man, that Peter Parker had only been around eight, nine, maybe 10, 11 years. Yeah, and and also since Ultimate was still kind of a going concern, you could assuage those who are upset by his death by going, oh, no, he's still over here in the 616. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, although for a while, uh, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> right. Well, that was a separate issue. But but I think that... You know where this all started with Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man and somebody said, genius idea. Genius. <laughs> Good idea. Give him a raise. Oh, Certainly don't is- send him like, you know, 800 hate tweets of yeah. 
minute. Sad thing is Superior Spider-Man was actually pretty decent. However, where I was going with this, though, is I, I think that if you if Ultimate Universe and 616 weren't two separate concerns at that point, had Peter Parker died and and there was no other Peter Parker, you would have seen much more fan outcry. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the fan outcry over Otto taking over, even yeah. though anybody who's read comics for any longer than 20 minutes, if you flip through a comic at the store while your kid was buying Pokemon cards, <laughs> you should know that death is fast and cheap in comics and means nothing. Yes. <laughs> and also, everybody, settle down. Settle down. He's not Uncle Ben. He'll come back. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a, that's that's an interesting point. It's That's, I think, why some of these have worked. Like I said, Riri Williams, I've read... Invincible Iron Man while Tony's been in a coma. I think the character is fine. I think, look, Bendis writes good characters. Yeah. She is a compelling character. But, yeah, it doesn't have anywhere near the weight of poor Jane Foster, who's suffered silently with Donald (laughs) Blake going back 55 years. Yeah. Literally. And now she gets to have this great thing happen to her, but at the expense of her life because she's dying of cancer. Yeah. So... No good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. So so with Iron Man in particular, we're dealing with a situation of, okay, we've got to have Tony Stark come back somehow because we've painted ourselves into this corner. But at the, actually, they don't because it is a fucking comic book. Mm-hmm. Just have Tony show back up. And he will. No, just fucking have him show back up in 593. Hi, everybody. I'm back. Have a B story for four or five <laughs> issues where they're trying to do scans of him and figure out if it's really him. Just drop him right in. Why are we being fucking coy with this? Why are we going to have another... Uh, but look if at- you do that, then all of the talking head portions of it are going to be like, you know, hospital banter. <laughs> I I have nothing. I got nothing. Which is fine. Throw him in a CAT scan. Yeah, Bendis does good dialogue with people doing dumb shit. You know, (laughs) making ramen noodles, playing video games, (laughs) trying to scratch away a tick. I don't know. He does fine. Just get him around the table doing something. Now I want to see all of these drawn out. I I just want to see, like, he's, you know, Tony Stark is trying to remove a tick, but also expounding about something. What did Alex Believe ever do to you, for Christ's sake? (laughs) Then again, he's been drawing this kind of shit with Bendis from his first day at Marvel. But yeah, just have him show the fuck back up because that's that's part of what was cool about Rebirth. You know, they they did their little experimental thing with okay, we'll do Convergence and say, oh no, people really like this character, so okay, we're gonna have one book, <laughs> and it's yeah, Doctor Manhattan, and then suddenly all the books they just changed. And it's okay, yep, Superman, it's the old Superman, and his kid is back. And I know the adventures of Lois and Clark were going on, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, yeah, Superman's just back. Uh, You know, Aquaman, yeah, he can get married again. These characters were all just automatically just sort of almost back to where they were pre-Flashpoint with a, fine, we'll explain it later. And yeah, explain it later. Unfortunately, that later explanation has a Rorschach mask, and that's going to bother me, but... It involves emo Hot Topic Batman. Oh, yeah, I specifically did not say let's talk about this one because it, <laughs> this week's Batman, <laughs> I know you haven't read it yet. It is it is very much the Batman version of, uh, oh, I'm getting married. Let me look up my old girlfriend on Facebook and make sure there's nothing there. And if there's nothing there, I want to put it to her. Now I'm smelling burning toast. <laughs> See what happened there? Uh, Batman and Catwoman are off to find Talia al Ghul. Amanda just shut her eyes like I said yeah it's malignant (laughs) you know what fuck it I'm just gonna go back to watching Gotham fuck it (laughs) let's start it 
At least I know what I'm getting there. <laughs> but that was the cool thing about Rebirth. It's like, all right, we've decided this is what you want. We're going to do it. And Marvel has made all the right sounds. So, yes, it's legacy. And look, we're doing retro things inside the book of, oh, old ads. And, yep, we're renumbering everything. But All the right sounds. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> we've still got an Iron Man book with, with no Tony Stark because somebody says, oh no, we have to explain it. And you don't no. explain it right after it happened. He's back. Okay, let's figure out where that came from. In the meantime, he's off blowing shit up. That'd be great. It worked for DC, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but they're trying to do it differently than, than DC. Rebirth was a reset for the most part. Sure. This is a reintegration. It's, we're not taking away these other characters that we've tried so hard to build up that are not the original characters. However, we are going to, because of fan desire, put the other ones back. And DC did that. Batgirl of Burnside is still a thing that happened. She still has the same costume, but now she's just back with the Birds of Prey. Yeah, when she's not backpacking through China or whatever. Yeah, well, that's a weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> Gap year, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bad girls gap year. <laughs> Write that one down. Okay, that's possible. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you can do it. I mean, and, and I think Marvel Marvel could. All the elements are there. Yeah, and I'll talk about it in a second because you know, my next note is there is good stuff in here. I just yeah. wrote Batgirl's crap year. I don't know. What you're at. <laughs> Arguably better. Uh, if you're not a millennial, there was a, <laughs> there were a few tough months there, but. <laughs> Uh, there is good stuff in here, but it doesn't have anything to do with Tony Stark. I will, I will go days without sleep to watch Bendis writing Ben Grimm talking shit to Doctor Doom. Oh, that was awesome. That it's, was yeah. <laughs> now I can, however, get tired of Doctor Doom pretending to be Iron Man, and I, I have. I have grown tired. Of but that. I, I, I don't get tired of Doctor Doom just making people randomly hug it out. That was all right. Uh, yeah, like like you know the mystical stuff just sort of subtly in the background, and now everybody's hugging it out. <laughs> Yeah, it's still, you know, your free free will means nothing to me, just like he did back when he yeah. was Doc Doom. But it's like, okay, but instead of kill each other, uh, hug and leave me alone, I don't know. <laughs> this is me trying to be good. But it's to me, it was Ben Grimm and Doctor Doom. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> and the, yeah, God, get Doctor Doom, make Doctor Doom Doctor Doom again. It never made any sense that he decided he would take on Iron Man's mantle because Dr. Doom was a fantastic four. Yes, he was a major villain in Marvel, but where the rubber hits the road, he was, he was Mr. Fantastics, the fantastic fours nemesis. Yeah. Again, with this book, as we've seen in some other legacy books, they are teasing a little bit in terms of the fan fast, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic four. Are you sure you don't want to find Berkshire Brewing Company? No, I'm saving myself for Bowmore 12. Oh, fuck me. There's money bags (laughs) over here, 12-year-old Scotch. That's right. (laughs) Um, No, on this uh, other double-page spread where they're at the Stark Expo, there's a a big picture of the Fantastic Four. And it, it seems to me that at least in terms of background art, and some selected panels and some of the other books where you actually see some of the characters, they're trying to bring back the Fantastic Four. I, I don't know how they're planning on ultimately doing it, but they, they are, which means that once they figure that out, 
That'll it, be when they make a decision about what Doctor Doom's going to do. You don't need to figure it out any more than DC had to figure it out. DC has Doctor Manhattan, who says he can create universes. Marvel has Franklin Richards, who has created fucking universes. I know. That's why I pitched that to you, sweetie. Right. <laughs> that was you? Yeah. I thought I, I was no. so fucking smart. No, God no. I, I, I just gave that to you, softball. Here. Oh, okay. Share your theory. It's, <laughs> you don't want to see the sausage getting made, people. I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's an ugly, violent process. Uh, I, I am drinking dinner. <laughs> Going to be a good night. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, they have everything they need if they want to do it. <laughs> but it's, they clearly don't because they keep doing this dumb shit. Where's Valeria in all this? Valeria, yeah, she's got a ton of power too. She could do it. We know they're out there. We saw them at the we, end of Marvel Legacy. Legacy, yeah. So yeah, everything you need, bring back the Fantastic Four. And, and frankly, with all the pictures I've seen of Marvel 2 and 1, and I forget who's doing the art on that, but I keep seeing... Uh, Stills on Twitter. Hmm. All right, give that like four issues before we bring back the full Fantastic Four because that book looks fucking awesome. Hmm. But yeah, you got everything you need. Just do a full DC rebirth. Don't be proud for no. God's sake. But let Alex Maleev draw more of um, the thing and Doctor Doom. I I want more of that. Yes, for God's sake. And here's the sad thing, and I'll try to remember to put this in the show notes. I've talked about this before. And uh, this is a website I went back to last night looking for details on Fantastic Four and when certain things happened. Because one of the things I was going to point out is it it made no sense for Doctor Doom to take on Iron Man's mantle. Because, it, yeah, number one, Doctor Doom's real fall was Secret Wars. And mm. Mr. Fantastic's gone. He was a Mr. Fantastic villain. At some point in the 70s, Mr. Fantastic lost his powers and created some exoskeleton that would mimic them. So that's what I was looking for. It's a great website, and I forget the guy who did it. Um, it's Zach, Z-A-K-Site, yeah, S-I-T-E dot com slash great-american-novel. Okay. This guy is either a, a genius with plenty of time to write, or he's somewhere on the obsession spectrum, but just this giant theory that goes across dozens of web pages of the real great American novel is the Fantastic Four from Fantastic Four 1 to about uh, 339 or so in the 80s where uh, it's, uh, where his theory is it became uh, Valer- uh, Franklin's Pocket Universe or Valeria's Universe or something. Yeah. But it is really a continuous story with everybody aging almost in real time. Uh, with you know, across- And it's really fascinating. <laughs> and it's, that's why I got drunk last night and went on Amazon and ordered Essential <laughs> Fantastic Four, three and four. You never get drunk and go on Amazon. <laughs> I know, it really is. It's like Amazon, it's a game in this house. Amazon <laughs> bingo. Where any night after I drink, first thing I do is go to my phone and go to the Amazon app and see if I'm in time to cancel whatever weird <laughs> shit I ordered while I was hammered. I might have been slow on the gun, so those books might be coming in the next couple days. But... <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, look that up. I hope I because I'll, I'll I've been drinking. I'll forget to put it in the show notes, and I don't think anybody reads the show notes anyway. But, I think they might, but it's it's really interesting and well thought out, and uh, yeah, okay. made, made me think. All right, this is Marvel's legacy. God damn it! Or maybe he's a guy in a room and he's like marking it up like a beautiful mind. Like it's just- <laughs> also possible. He he could have a gun and just be waiting for the first person to come by. Guy, I like your webs. I don't know. I don't know the guy. <laughs> I'm not selling nothing. I don't know what he's selling, but I enjoyed it. Anyway. 
So, so yeah, it's the the other thing I've got to note here is there is a big double page layout of half page hero scenes of like the defenders and the champions and the Avengers with all the dialogue on the pages, like Mary Jane and Friday and Tony's mom talking about, Oh, Tony used to be a member of shield. He knows how to disappear. He might've disappeared intentionally, but all the visuals are all these super teams and Tony's only ever been on one of them. I'm like, what the fuck am I looking at? What is this filler? Is this all right? We need to fill four pages with double page spreads of shit. That doesn't matter to the story. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it seems to me that this was done just to, again, bring in all of these other characters and remind people who are, who are currently concerns in the, this particular universe. I mean, I, I can almost see the champions because certainly Tony has, he, Tony has been in a coma since the, since these champions have been on, but as ridiculous as the original champions were like angel and friggin' ghost rider, <laughs> That Tony was a member of the champions in like the 1970s. It was a particular issue where Ghost Rider was hunting down the orb of all fucking people because <laughs> they both rode motorcycles. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, other than they're trying to promote synergy with this particular four panel. <laughs> you want to promote synergy, put the orb because I remember there was. <laughs> You know, back then it was like six panel grid and it was this long conversation with Ghost Rider trying to convince Tony Stark that he has to help go after the orb. And Tony said he didn't want any part of the orb because I burn my family alive and I like to light things on fire. Dick. <laughs> I haven't done that in a few episodes. <laughs> Iron Man was never in the champions. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't the champions typically younger heroes? And Tony has been no. They were fucking losers. It was it was yeah, like Angel and uh, uh, who the hell else was it? It was Angel. Yeah, I think Ghost. Oh, no, Ghost Rider was Defenders. I don't even remember who was in Champions. Like Angel and Iceman, maybe and Hercules. So D list mutants and other. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was a seventies thing of oh we've made like eight dollars with uh, Defenders this month. Let's chuck out another one. <laughs> So, yeah, we've got big filler pages here because the story is slow, and yeah, there's no <laughs> there's there's no Tony Stark unless that last guy's Tony Stark. Well, that's just it. Yeah. So we, we we cut to finally at the end, some hairless naked dude. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, elsewhere, some hairless <laughs> naked dude for a ten dollar all you can eat testicle fest <laughs> emerges from something. Could be some, a sauna. Some corner. Could be a shower. A bar. Could have been having a silkwood shower. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, he, he's barely holding it together. He's clearly in pain. He's reaching for the Iron Man armor. Because... I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> and then puts it on and goes fetal, as one does. Of course. <laughs> so he has blue eyes. He could be Tony. Could be. But Tony had hair at the beginning of this book, so I don't know. Yeah, it could be a clone. <laughs> Who I don't know. It's going to take another issue or two for me to care. It's uh, Look, if this is any indication, Marvel's plan for a lot of these books is to just renumber everything back to the original, throw some retro ads in there, and not change a fucking thing about what they've been doing. And that is not going to help anybody. No. 
it's I'm glad the numbering's back. It makes it easier for me to put them in a long box. <laughs> but ultimately, that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, now that every now that both sets of players are are in play for for these books, I guess it'll come down to whatever the writer at the time wants to write about, whether or not they want to focus on the newer characters or the older characters. Because otherwise you have these giant ensembles that make it hard to then follow things because you've just got so many people in play. Yeah, but you know, it, it can be done. Uh, James uh, Tinian, I'm never sure if I'm pronouncing that right. What kind of parents would name their kid that? James Tinian Fourth is doing it every goddamn week, every couple of weeks with Detective Comics. It has been since the beginning of Rebirth. And knocking it out of the park for the most part. Yes, but those books in their current incarnation are intended to be ensemble books. Sure. Whereas The Invincible Iron Man, it's in the title. It's about Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> True. And Detective Comics, I guess, is a little bit broader mandate, I suppose. But you that could one make has, the been, has been partners and teams for a very long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, th- that was the Batman family. Uh, not really. There was still a Detective Comics back in the 70s, but uh, it might have been Detective Comics Batman family. I'm very drunk. <laughs> not you. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but it can be done. I mean, uh, this is this isn't called like Thor family. It's the mighty Thor. Uh, yeah, but you know what? It's uh, Riri Williams. Fine, Berkshire Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, from solicits I've seen. Uh, she's going to wind up in the Defenders. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. It's for these books that could be ensemble. You know, oh, we've got an Iron Man family now. There are places for these characters to. Land. Well, that's what I'm just saying. I, I think that. What'll happen is as characters either demonstrate their popularity or lack thereof, they're either going to be written out to different books or dropped. They're going to go backpacking in China or something. Yeah. Hey, ask Richard Ryder. You can go years and eventually get your own book. (laughs) Or show up in the New Warriors when uh, you're a little light on the membership. Yeah. That's further down the road with Legacy. First, we actually need to start getting legacy characters back. Yes. So. So. Mighty Thor 700. Mighty Thor 700. We still uh, don't. Uh, Written by Jason Aaron. Art by uh, everybody. Everybody. Yes. (laughs) Anybody who's ever done Thor. You even get a big hero shot right out of the gate from Walt Simonson. Yes. So. I really enjoyed this book, actually. uh, I did. And part of me is like, okay, this is what I want from a Marvel legacy book, even though it is not in any way perfect. Uh, and I will start with a caveat on this that I've said before. I'm not the world's biggest Thor fan. Yeah. Uh, and haven't been ever since I was a kid. The florid language doesn't thrill me. I'm not a mythology guy. The minute you have the mythology guy, you are immediately into, like we were just talking about, a family-type book with a ton of supporting characters you have to deal with. And some writers assume, oh, since it's mythology, everybody knows that. It's common knowledge, whereas I've never given a shit about most mythologies <laughs> that didn't involve actual comic books. This so, book was for me. Which is <laughs> which is fine. It's my favorite run on Thor, and this includes Walt Simonson's, which I grant you I am way overdue on. I have the first two volumes of The Trade, and I'm working my way through it, and I'm enjoying it. And it's supposed to be the gold standard of Thor, and I can kind of see why, but my favorite run has always been Straczynski's. And say what you want about Superman walking across America, but when Straczynski dropped Asgard into Oklahoma, 
That was kind of art. I have <laughs> forced all these characters to deal with actual people who I could relate to all the time. It it grounded grounded. Ah, ah! I suck. <laughs> <laughs> They got my dick missing. I'm the worst. <laughs> I swear I didn't mean that. Sure. It, but it grounded the character for me. And I bet that's how he pitched it. I, pro- I'm literally grounding these characters. And probably. And, and it worked really well for me. But uh, and, and I have enjoyed Aaron's run when I have picked it up. And I have not picked all of them up. Uh, I like Jane Foster's interior monologue that mm-hmm. you get via thought balloons because she talks like a person again it grounds it uh which helps me uh but yeah it's where the rubber hits the road I, i've picked up a few of them there was a big thing the war of the gods where it's uh thor fighting space gods uh from like malky <laughs> the, the shiar and shit like that i'm like yeah, yeah you know this is not Working, but most of the Thor I've gotten since Jane Foster took over has been from like Mark Wade's Avengers books and shit like that. But I've enjoyed the character, uh, even within that context. Now, with that said, if you haven't read Thor and you're looking for a place to jump on, this is a really good jumping on point. It is actually because it covers all of the smatterings of various storylines that have been happening leading up to this point. And Aaron uses a really great conceit in that the uh, at the World Tree the 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 stronghold of the Norns, who are the, the weavers of fate and tellers of stories, is being set upon by Malkith and his army. And so from there, all of these various uh, story strands sort of spin out. And that's how they tie together all of these different Thor stories. So we've got Jane Foster Thor. We've got Odinson Unworthy, formerly Thor. <laughs> We've got yep. uh, Throg. <laughs> yeah, Frog <laughs> Thor. Frog Thor. Um, we didn't. See, Beta Ray Bill is on the cover, but we didn't see him in here. Yeah, we saw him earlier in Aaron's run. He showed up. Uh, I don't think we saw Thunderstrike either. But frankly, I've never given too much of a shit about Thunderstrike. He may be dead. Hmm. I have no idea. We've got Volstag, who is now the War Thor. Yeah, which is not a thing I've come across. I, I had no idea that was going on. It appears that he has uh, Ultimate Universe Thor's hammer. Yes. Which I know, again, phasing in and out of Jason Aaron's run, I know that uh, Odin's son was looking for, but yeah, I don't know what happened with that. Yeah. And and that with, with Volstagg sets up this, what's going to be the big bad um, Mangog Yes. And this is just bonkers art. This is the craziest looking monster. Well, I forgot <laughs> to look it up. I'm pretty sure Mangog is a uh, is a Kirby thing. Yeah. But that's why he's crazy. It's crazy looking. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Kirby and Thor. Yeah. You're just not gonna. But yes, we, we get reasonable backstory on everybody who shows up. Uh, you get a reasonable introduction to the status quo that's going on everywhere, including Midgard. Uh, clearly, Aaron is making the assumption, I'm going to get people who pick this up because, oh, it's a big round number and it says legacy, but they have no idea what's going on or what I've been doing. And he gives just enough information on everything to get everybody engaged in everybody. I mean, Jesus, you've got Thor versus Hulk. Yeah, that's also... (laughs) I'll read Thor versus Hulk no matter where it shows up. The same way I'll read Ben Grimm versus Hulk. I don't care if it's... Yeah. (laughs) If it's... uh, if it's She-Hulk, I don't care. It's still cool. And 
And the cool thing is, Jason Aaron just shows up. It's like, huh, okay, Thor's fighting Hulk. Boom. What? How did this happen? We <laughs> do cares? not know. It does not matter. I waited four or five fucking issues of Mariko Tamaki. What's her Mariko Tamaki's? Yeah. Uh, I can never. <laughs> I'm terrible at pronouncing names. But yeah, what do we do? Four or five issues of that before we even saw the Hulk? I just saved 20 bucks and just picked up <laughs> Thor 700. Yes. Um, I think it's also cool that that Frog Thor teams up with Jane Foster. <laughs> yeah, in a way that actually helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's a. I love that he said, "Oh, I'm investigating this tiny little murder," and I, okay, I found the guy, and uh, I'm just going to make it rain on him until he can't take it anymore. <laughs> and he turns himself in. Yeah. So this book, as legacy books go, um, is very successful. It's even got. A nod to, for those fans of, of Journey into Mystery. Uh, we've got Thori, the murder dog. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Loki shows up in, in various portions of this. And he's uh, very Loki-like. But in a way that's more from Journey into Mystery as opposed to classic Loki. Classic Loki is kind of... A dick. <laughs> he's one-dimensional. Yes. Uh, yeah, Karen Gillan, what he did with Journey into Mystery is the best thing anybody has done with Loki. Yes. Uh, since, uh, what's his name? Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we get the big double page spread that you know hints that at least Aaron has an idea of, okay, I've got things coming up, could be interesting things. Uh, the image at the top left of Loki with the Infinity Gauntlet doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. <laughs> um, <laughs> What could go wrong? Yeah, but, it's, but this is this is another one that falls into the same issue that we were talking about with Iron Man. And oh, there's an Iron Man family and a supporting cast. It's there are just so many fucking Thors. It's you know all the ones you've named. Plus there was Kid Thor from back in the past and mm-hmm. Future Thor when he's taken over for Odin. Yeah, that's like five or six Thors just in this issue. You know, not counting, yeah, Beta Ray Bill was on the cover and maybe Thunderstrike. But I think I had less of an issue with it because it's sort of a known quantity that there's been several people filling the role of Thor. Which is true uh, and, and has been for a while since you know that, that was the opening of Walt Simonson's run. It's all right, let's give it to somebody else. And various people have come in and out of it uh, throughout. But it's also, okay, if it's legacy, it's probably should be Odinson. But then again, I really like Jane Foster. I don't want that to go away. And there's intimations here that, oh, she might be in danger. So <laughs> it's it's a weird balancing act of, no, don't fuck with Jane Foster. She she deserves this. Yeah. She's got this coming. Plus, she's kind of awesome. No, she is. And I do hope that they figure out a way to resolve the, the cancer thing. Because that just, it feels like a hollow victory in a way. <laughs> Yeah, I, look, it's a comic book. You certainly can do that however you want to. But it also adds a certain amount of pathos to to her. It's yeah. you know, She is a good Thor because I am choosing this. This is going to end my life. This means my treatment stops working every time I do it. But by God, I'm going to live every goddamn second of it. Mm. And that is a drunken Norse god for Christ's sake. <laughs> That's the right attitude. Yes. You know, whether yes. it's you know artificial because of illness or whatever. Whereas and, and I like fucking grumpy bastard unworthy Thor, you know, yeah. yelling at his dog and bitching at people and you know, just all right, I'll kill, kill whoever you want. What do you what do you want? 
<laughs> yeah, no, there's, I mean, there's just a lot to like about this. And, and even though there is so much going on, um, Aaron, they, I'm glad that they gave Aaron a double issue so that he didn't have to shoehorn in everything in the world in, in 22 pages. Well, it's, you know, once you get to 700. Yeah. Christ, I remember when I was 10 years old and I think it was 10 years old and Action Comics hit 500. I'm like, I'll never see this again. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the nice thing about this book is that the stories, as many as there there are of them, they have time to unfold properly in the course of this issue. None yeah. of them feel like they got short shrift. No, it's. I think this is the best legacy issue that embraces it could be a jumping on point that I've seen so far. Yes. It, it is very much a, I will tell you as much as you need to know about each one of these characters so that you can follow them and I will show I have a plan so there's some place to go with all of this. It's all going to tie together. I thought it was really well executed. But it is still another case of, yep, okay, it's Marvel, it's Legacy, and we'll we'll get back there eventually. <laughs> but for right now, we're just going to keep telling the same stories that we that we have up until now. And unfortunately, those are stories that have bitten them in the ass for the last 18 months or so. <laughs> yeah, well, all we can do is see how it plays out. And drink beer. <laughs> because we are a comics podcast, so we're going to keep buying these books. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a sad thing. We are the only forced audience. <laughs> Uh, all right, move off of Marvel into DC, another universe uh, coming back from, not the dead, but... Hibernation. From hibernation, yeah. We, we've talked uh, about one or two of these issues before. Uh, Wildstorm 8, written by Warren Ellis, uh, art by John Davis Hunt. Uh, what was your impression of this? Because I really liked this issue. I've enjoyed all the Wildstorm issues at one extent or another. This is the first time where I'm like, yep, all right, you got me. It took eight issues, but it's like, I'm all in. Oh, I'm Keep all in. doing it. <laughs> Jenny Sparks is back. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> and it's the right Jenny. <laughs> yeah, that's a sad thing. It's like, you want to feel old? Uh, there's, there's one of two Jennies that would be acceptable. This is one of them, so... <laughs> yeah, you want to feel old? Jenny Quantum mm. uh, will be legal in two and a half months. Oh, God! <laughs> oh, God! Oh! Oh! I'm so old. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Uh, look, I've talked before, probably with the when we talked about Wildstorm 1, I was... The only comics I was reading until uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s was Preacher and Transmetropolitan. Uh, after I saw Unbreakable, which I still maintain as a great superhero movie, and I probably in a misguided way have high hopes for uh, for Glass, the sequel <laughs> is uh, being filmed right now. But yeah, that's when I started looking at superhero books again, and the first ones I looked at were, okay, I was reading Transmet, so mm -hmm. I looked at Authority and Stormwatch, because it was also by Ellis, and... uh yeah, this is the first issue that really starts to feel like it's bringing those authority characters into this new universe yes. in in a way that is similar enough to the old one that it is very recognizable and yet modernized. Because a lot of what's going on with the the earlier books, so there's a whole Wildstorm universe, and and it, it, what Ellis is setting out to do here is ambitious because he's collapsing all of those books 
and characters into one book, The Wildstorm. Yes. So we've had a lot of setup for IO. We've had a lot of setup for Wildcats. Uh, yep. You know, you see characters like Grifter, you uh, Zealot, you know. <laughs> and the, the thing is, those, the Wildcats characters, uh, look, I was a Stormwatch and Authority guy. No, Wildcats, uh, okay. What helped hook me in to start with was one of the first characters we saw was the Engineer. Sure. Um, which has been a good through line through all of this. But then, yeah, to see the Doctor. And, yep. and even then, it's a, the, the way Ellis twists the original characters. And it's like, okay, who's this? And enough of who's this until it's like obvious who it is. Right. Where it's like, oh, oh, the Doctor, fucking awesome. I haven't seen a good yeah. Doctor in a long time. Because somewhere along the line, the Doctor and one of the 14 people who wrote it after <laughs> uh, after Warren Ellis and uh, Mark Millar, that's, uh, oh, no, it's a different Doctor. And uh, no, okay, this is not the same Doctor, but it's close enough. I get it. Yes. And then, yeah, realizing that it was Jenny Sparks. Oh, yeah. I, this is like coming home, this issue. it's <laughs> Yeah. If you were a fan of, of those books when Millar and Ellis were writing them, then you will be all in here. <laughs> Yeah, that final page reveal where they said her name, I felt like the world's biggest dip fuck. No, I knew I knew who it was. <laughs> I missed the goddamn t-shirt. I didn't notice it. Because she I, has shown up, I think, in, in one or two other issues wearing that t-shirt, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a cute nod. <laughs> but then to, to you know have it be on the nose in this book, it's like, yes. <laughs> it's possible. And I know why I missed it this time. It's because Davis Hunt's art, particularly around the doctor and his perceptions and the hallucinatory nature of being around him, is really detailed and, mm. yeah, hallucinatory, and there's a lot going on there. So yeah, the subtlety of just the black and white version of the Union Jack t-shirt is not exactly where my eye was drawn during all of that. Right. So and that's the other, the cool thing that I noticed and is making me appreciate this even more. Every issue of this, including this one, everything is laid out in a simple grid. It's variations on six and nine panel grids. It's not complicated. Yeah. It's a simple layout. It's in no way groundbreaking, but the fact that it's simple, it is the kind of book you can hand to somebody who doesn't read comics, and they will understand how to read it. And that's more important than I think a lot of people really recognize. I think part of why Watchmen is considered a classic is you can hand that to somebody who has never seen a comic book before, and you understand how to process it. It's top left, right center, down left, repeat. Yes, and that matters for <laughs> well, want. yeah. I mean, consider the number of books that we've complained about where somebody was trying to get overly clever with their layout, and it's not readily apparent that something's going across two pages for the the top half of the page, but then on the bottom there's some sort of weird convoluted here and now then over here, and then <laughs> yeah, uh, this is very simple to read. So I'm appreciating this series more and more because. Ellis is doing something really interesting here in that he's he's taking this superhero universe that's special to a lot of comic fans, and it's a, a universe that he took over that had six, seven, eight years of history to it, and it's really tied to a specific time and place, and he's modernizing it and trying to do interesting things with it. And that's what he did with The Authority and with Stormwatch in the late 90s, early 2000s, which 
and the fact that that was said, it's like, these are not the standard 90s Marvel or DC superhero books you're used to reading right. helped ease me back into superhero comics. And I, I will always love those stories because of it. And clearly he's trying to do something similar here. It's okay, it's superheroes, but it's not even 15, 16 years ago. Let's do something more modern with it. But he's also doing it in a matter, in a, in a matter, matter of speaking? <laughs> manner of speaking. Manner of in a way. <laughs> duh. There you go. He's doing it in a way that, yeah, if it gets you, since it is far more grounded than most superhero stories, it's something you can hand to somebody and have it not say, oh, there's all this continuity you have to understand. And it can be read simply. Yes. With really good, interesting art to bring people through it. It's really well done. And now I'm really excited about it in a way that I haven't been right from the beginning. But yeah, this is this issue really worked for me. And it's it worked for me because yeah, it put okay, you're an old fan here, I'll push some of your buttons. Yeah. But not a wink and a nod way. It's all of it makes sense within this world I've been building. But also by by revealing her as as Jenny May Sparks, that opens the door now. Um Century babies are a going concern. Yeah, but see, I didn't take this as a century baby. No, no, this is a century baby because when the doctor goes on her walk through Jenny's brain, she goes to these different eras. And uh, see, I didn't take that as century. Maybe I. Those are century babies. All right. Because it's, they're because they're all related. So. Jenny Sparks' character embodies what they say is like the you know the the technology of the age, and there are other kinds of century babies. So yes, I'm just kind of hoping that we're going to see Elijah Snow. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> see, uh, no planetary. Uh, uh, I just want to see Elijah Snow. <laughs> I'm saying this now, but uh, <laughs> Elijah Snow as planetary. Planetary is a closed loop. I'm fine with it the way it is. But it, it did cross over at times with some of the other characters. It did, and uh, it crossed over with the Justice League at one point or another, mm -hmm. and I could easily... Yeah, I'm sitting here saying, oh, no, Planetary is its own thing. Uh, the glee that I felt seeing Jenny Sparks, which does not make any sense. Jenny Sparks was the spirit of the 20th century. For Jenny Sparks to show up in 2017... Well, all it means is he said, "Fine, you know what? I'm going to modify things." So it's well, he, he it's not a century baby; it's the spirit of an age, perhaps. Yes, which so, is fine. But I mean, he I, he did decide that you know the Jenny Sparks name is is the distinctive nostalgia piece. We know that in the old series, she became Jenny Quantum. Yep. So he he kept the look of that character, but then retained the old name and the old personality. Yeah, she's a dick. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Show me a live stream of London. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he preserved the characters, gave great nods for fans of the older books without having it really feel like fan service. It's it was not okay, look, I'm forcing this in here. It's like, no, this is organic. I will make this fit into this in a way that it doesn't matter that you don't know. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you've never heard of a century baby. It doesn't matter if you've never read Stormwatch or Planetary or The Authority. Uh, these characters make sense yes. in the world that he has built. Which is really cool. I and agree. So yeah, it's uh, I've enjoyed Wildstorm all the way through. I liked uh, the first issue of Michael Cray last week, mm -hmm. which uh, again, it's uh, all right, let's uh 
since we're opening things up, yeah, let's take a character like Oliver Queen and say, all right, if this was maybe a more realistic world, did you read Michael Cray one? I I have not yet. It's on my my list of things upstairs that I'm working my way through. I won't give anything away except uh, Green Arrow is an asshole. He's a real piece of human shit. (laughs) (laughs) How do you really feel? At least in the Wildstorm universe. Well. (laughs) But it makes sense if you take the background of this is a guy who was marooned on an island with all the resources in the world after he got off of it and Mm -hmm. he has learned to be self-sufficient. What would that guy be like? And he would not necessarily uh, be the smiling liberal from (laughs) (laughs) from from the 70s comics. Yeah, no, and and that makes sense. Um, Getting back specifically to this book, though, I just, it's these little moments like this where, yeah, Jenny shows up, or, you know, we've seen Henry Bendix and other issues, and it makes you wonder, you know, what else is Ellis going to have up his sleeve? Because, again, it's an ambitious project to bring all of these together, and as I said about one of the other books, having an ensemble that large can be a hindrance because there's so many storylines that you could be following. And there's other characters that he hasn't even added yet, either by design or purposeful, you know, he's never going to get to them. Oh, I, I <laughs> wants me some Jack Hawksmore. Well, I'm wondering about like Tao. <laughs> like, I'm wondering. Yeah. Although Tao, uh, was Tao him or Tao was really more Alan Moore, I thought. And but then, it was uh, still part of the whole, like, it was... That's true. It was important to the I.O. storyline. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But but yeah, that was more uh, the Alan Moore and then the uh, Ed Brubaker, I think. Yeah. But still. <laughs> no, you're right. And that could fit you in. Know, where is Wetworks in all of this? I think I'm the only person who read Wetworks, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it's... It, I've... I've enjoyed this, although it was uh, honestly the first couple issues. Uh, okay, it's all right. You're you're messing around with it. I get it. And, and now's the first time I'm I'm excited about it. I really like this issue. Yeah. See, I can be in a good mood about things. There you go. Look not, at you go. Not my natural state. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else about this? No, or? no. Just it's it. This is a good book. People should be reading this. Yes, it is. Uh, and that was a great specific issue. Uh, this is one I wanted to talk about, not because of the specific issue, but just because I've enjoyed it. And every issue that's come out, we've uh, had other shit going on, or I've been exhausted, or peeing on myself weekly, or doing something odd where I couldn't be in front of a microphone or uh, in front of humanity at a, at at large. Yes. <laughs> I. That was a strong affirmative. Yes. <laughs> Stay away from people, Rob. You fucking spastic. Weekly peeing on yourself. <laughs> it was a week. You said it was weak. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I wasn't. I, I wasn't making eye contact. Now put your hands together for the man who's falling apart before our eyes. Anywho, <laughs> so we have the hero denied. Mage. Yes, Mage, the hero denied number three, written and drawn by Matt Wagner. So yeah, we've we have missed talking about uh, issue zero, uh, one, and two. So even though this is mid-story and, yeah, there's no huge event in this, like, you know, oh, Jesus, the doctor. Oh, Jesus, Jenny Sparks. It's We certainly don't get the world mage in this one. It's just a continuation of the story. But I wanted to check in. Well, I I think, you know... This was this was your your jam. Like I I enjoy these books, but there's there's a, a segment of the population that came up with Mage in the mid '80s when he was um, when this character was first created that 
have identified with Kevin Matchstick, who's the protagonist, because they've aged with him over time. <laughs> That's totally what it is. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah, I I came across The Hero Discovered, not when it came out, but when I was in my late teens, early 20s. I was in college. Uh, yeah, when I found it, it was already collected in trades. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's your late teens, early 20s. It was Generation X. I was a cynic. I, oh, I don't believe in anything. This is all bullshit. And that was Kevin Matchstick at the time. And then, you know, yeah, when the hero Define came out, it was my, in my mid-late 20s. Yep, I was single. I was also traveling around. I was doing road comedy. I wasn't battling evil. <laughs> well, it's kind of its own evil. Some of the crowds in the back rooms of Chinese restaurants in North Fuckstick, Maine, they did their best imitation. <laughs> I killed them like Grackle Flints. But, <laughs> but uh, and, and yeah, now it's we're both middle-aged. And, and yeah, I don't have... Please don't spill an entire Diet Coke on the microphone. It's empty now. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm the one drinking. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I was distracted by a stain on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, me and Kevin Matchstick are now middle-aged and we're, we own homes and we have, you know, he's married and Amanda and I are as close as you can get without really involving the courts because I'm afraid of lawyers and courts. We have property and a cat in common. Uh, yes. So. <laughs> So, yeah, every time this character has popped up, for as much as I've screamed over the years, I want it, I want Mage now. It's It's been at sort of the right time where it's like, yeah, okay, the character has evolved the same way I did, which is kind of interesting. Now, so, that said, I don't think he's going to evolve in the same way I would now because I guarantee he's staring down the barrel of a midlife crisis. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> well, that, that'll be an interesting question. Um, I have to wonder because the the artist who's doing the color on this is his son, Brennan. <laughs> How weird must it have been for him <laughs> to, because uh, this is all in, to a certain degree. I don't want to say it's semi-autobiographical to Wagner, but he, he has definitely sort of done this at stages in his own life and has. Oh, and, it's, it's absolutely semi-autobiographical uh, characters from the hero defined were named after buddies of his. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's the son in here, Hugo, is Brennan at age eight or 10 or however the oldest kid is. Yeah, probably. So. And and the weird thing for me is having seen these guys like out in the wild at conventions, Matt Wagner, his son. Yeah. They look just like this. It's creepy. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> oh, totally. Oh Jesus. I hadn't made the connection with his son, but yeah, his son looks like him too. <laughs> so yeah, there, there is that, but yeah, I, I guarantee this is going to go down a midlife. Uh, look, He's happily married with two kids, and yet when his family is threatened, what does he do? It's a, uh, oh, well, uh, I will bring all my friends to help protect my, no, I'm going back on the road, and I'm going to do what I did when I was young, and <laughs> fucking vibe, I'm going to hit the road and kick ass. Well, to be fair, he's trying to draw all the bad guys away from finding his house while his wife's magical potion comes to fruition everybody has a good reason for just going off and trying to do the shit they did when they were young everybody's got the perfect reason right up until everything goes wrong <laughs> and it's a you see the 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 heroes who came after him they're all hanging out in bars it's like oh jesus i hear he's back and that's why i will never go back to comedy i don't need that kind of <laughs> condescending bullshit in my life yeah it's like, oh jesus he came back why i thought he was dead i prayed <laughs> that he was dead <laughs> or, or even worse oh that's you 
<laughs> which I had happened to me once at a at a show I went to. Oh Jesus! Was I, I was I there for that one? That was the Stanhope one at a, oh, where, the, where the bar fight broke out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'll be doing that. I like podcasting. It's all right. That was a fun show, though. <laughs> that was a fun show. <laughs> More fun for some people than others, mm. but but yeah, I can I can already see Kevin coming across like Joe Fat or Kirby Hero. Uh, and whatever the third version of the world mage is, and it's like, oh Jesus, yeah, I'm out with my buddies. Why did I ever settle down? And I googled Lady of the Lake, and Lady of the Lake in mythology comes back multiple times, so he can come across Edsel again, and nothing screams midlife crisis like an old fucking girlfriend. <laughs> what is he, Batman now? <laughs> Emo Batman. <laughs> And I don't think it's an accident that the Umbra Sprites and whatever the Grackleflints or the Spriggan Fl- I forget what they're calling themselves Grackleflints. Yeah, but... Uh, Grackleflints. Yeah, they're, Grackle they're, all, they're all hot girls now. It's uh, hot skanks have been <laughs> fucking up middle-aged guys for, for millennia. Kevin Matchstick and the Skank Apocalypse. It <laughs> <laughs> is the Skank Apocalypse. Oh, God. No matter how much you score, you lose. <laughs> We said no in jokes on this show. We said Damn no it. in jokes. We said no in jokes. Just picture I, that's all weekend. That's all I've been hearing. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, I've got a whole mythology of the skank. Oh yes, that yes, we've been talking about, which we will not repeat here. But uh, email me, uh, crisisnfmlives@gmail.com. <laughs> Particularly if you're an artist and you want to put something to this. Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, no, I should not write comics. <laughs> no. The voice of butthead will not come from the <laughs> comic book. No. And that's important to the whole thing. It really is. But yeah, it's a, I can see midlife crisis coming, which is not a thing I've ever had to deal with because I was smart as a younger guy. I never had kids. I have lived my life exactly the way I've wanted to, like ever since I moved out of my parents' house. I have no need for a midlife crisis because I still act like I'm about 22. I fall asleep earlier than I used to, but uh, I, you know, we've set our lives up. We can do whatever we want. But God knows I have friends who've had midlife crises. <laughs> and yeah, what I'm feeling in Mage, it feels right. It's, yeah. It feels familiar and personal. And that's what has made, made Mage one of my favorite comics since I was, yeah, 19 years old. It, And I'm glad that it's working for you because I, I've seen you imprint on certain other characters in other media where it's been at certain times of your life. Okay, Clarks. So, <laughs> where you you felt I'm not even supposed to be here today? A certain level of disappointment as the story went in a direction that you no longer identified with. <laughs> yeah, it's a look. Certain characters are going to go in different ways than you, and clearly Kevin Matchstick has up to a certain point, but it's still in a way that that feels that I've seen it. I've seen it happen with almost every one of my friends. So, <laughs> so I get it, and it, it feels personal. It really works for me, and I, I've really been enjoying this series. Good. So, I mean, I've been enjoying it just as as somebody sort of coming to it from the outside. I, I, I didn't read um, the hero defined. I, I read most of the hero discovered, and it was only mostly because I had come across uh, a movie script adaptation. Oh, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah we've, but then uh, I, I then that made me want to go find the source material, and then I read it. Oh, it's all of it's upstairs, including that script. I know. So I, I keep threatening. It's like, yeah, we'll we'll do a big show about that and the uh, the John Rogers script as this thing gets closer to being done. 
But for me, you know, just just reading this, the hero denied right now that I'm enjoying it because yeah, Wagner has a really good way about making the characters relatable, despite the fact that they're in these just absolutely bizarre supernatural circumstances. <laughs> yeah, it's Kevin Matchstick is still a dude. Yeah, where the rubber hits the road, where he always came from was. I'm this dude in this situation, but I'm still just a person. Yeah. And he stayed that person through all of the series. So now he's this person who's about my age and dealing with things that people my age have dealt with, and some of them he's going to deal with poorly. Kevin Matchstick has always been a hero, but he's always been a flawed hero. (laughs) I think we're going to find that his daughter is going to be significant. I mean, not that kids are insignificant, they're all adorable. At this point, I'd, I'd chuck a buck on the fact that she's the next world mage. Well, I say that because the, this whole, like, she's making things and she sees patterns even though she's, like, three. <laughs> yeah. I think that's going to be significant. Oh, yeah. That that leapt out whether it was meant to or not. It's a, yeah, it's a, I'd put... Which will be awkward for, for Hugo because he's all like, Dad has powers. Maybe I'll get powers. Yeah! <laughs> Never mind that we just almost died. I might get powers. No, you're yeah. not going to get powers, kid. You're not going to get powers. Ask me again why I don't have kids. I don't need this bullshit sibling rivalry crap. <laughs> I remember me and my brother. I don't need any of that shit. Do you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Don didn't get powers. It, just because you're related, it doesn't make you special. Exactly. <laughs> Nobody liked Don. Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you hear me, little brother? Give me back my fucking Mike Grell Green Arrow comics. My, <laughs> Mark Grunewald <laughs> Captain Americas. Nobody's special here. God damn it. It's it, your mileage may vary. It has worked for me because I read it at the right time when I was a kid, and I read it at the right time when I was in my twenties, and I'm reading it at the right time now. The podcast is called Crisis on Infinite Midlives. <laughs> if you're at the right point in your life, there, there's a lot I think you'll be able to get out of this book. Yes, but even if you haven't grown up with Kevin, yeah, this is a good one. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, you know what I find interesting for all of you. All of your talk about like eh, mythology, blah, blah. I think it's less about whether or not a book has those elements in it um, and more about whether or not it's a good story and you relate to the characters. That's stupid. You're stupid for saying And fuck you. <laughs> it's, no, you're right. Because but- there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here that you know I'm looking at it going, oh, okay, yeah, I recognize that from this. And I'm, all right. <laughs> yeah, but... It- <sighs> <laughs> I gotta get a new computer to do the podcast after Christmas. I'll look at a new computer. the computer just affirming that I'm fucking right? No, it's saying restart required. It doesn't want to listen to us anymore. (laughs) It's playing us off. But the mythology here is not crucial. It doesn't matter that they're mythological fairy beasts that are attacking Kevin Matchstick. uh, They're they're bad guys. They're magic bad guys. Sure. I'm sure if you, which clearly you do, recognize these from certain areas of mythology, you get a little more of a bump from it, but it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, which is why I would argue to a certain degree in in Thor, it doesn't necessarily matter what they're pulling from Norse mythology or whatever. It's how well the story is being told and how interesting and relatable the characters are. Oh, absolutely. I just I think there have been writers over the years that have assumed, oh, you're reading Thor, you know some Norse stuff, and they chuck it in. Yeah, but like, uh, they so. haven't always made it about Norse stuff. They've they've dipped into Roman mythology. They've dipped into. I mean, the first Thor book I had, I've probably talked about this on the show, was an issue where uh, it's not sad. Okay. <laughs> Jane Sorry. Foster was on the cover, dangling over a pit, 
and the bad guy was Pluto. <laughs> they do seem to fit just about whatever they want, yeah. these, don't they? <laughs> so it was a self-contained issue, and she was damseled, and Thor saved her at the end. But the point being that they, they'll use whatever they want. <laughs> that, of course they will. And Wagner... Wagner used it well enough that I read until the last couple issues of uh, Mage the Hero Discovered before I in any way picked up that the Arthurian legend was going on. And I didn't have to know. Once it was there and it was a reveal, and it's I'd love to say, oh, and it made me go and read the Once in Future King. No, there were no pictures in the Once in Future King. I didn't read that shit. I, I may have gotten... I think there were dr- some illustrated plates. <laughs> I might have gotten drunk and watched Excalibur and tossed it to Helen Mirren back, <laughs> back in her prime. Can we go back to talking about you wetly, like wetly, <laughs> warmly, faintly peeing yourself or whatever the hell it was you were doing? <laughs> so many visuals right now. Like, it was wrong and you knew it! Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have done that, sorry. But, Jesus. <laughs> but it's, it was there. It's like, okay, that's cool. It was there if I wanted it. Uh, I didn't want it enough to go dive deeper into it. But it has never forced me to know it in order to enjoy follow it. and enjoy the story. That makes sense. Yeah, it's understanding that Kirby Hero in the Hero Defined is Hercules and has ten labors in order to get back in his father's good grace. That doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is he's a cocky son of a bitch in his 20s. You know, and who thinks, yeah, no matter what I do, it's going to work out. And if you fuck with me, it's like, how dare you step on my confidence? You know, go to hell. Yeah. That's, that's all I needed to know. And it was fine. <laughs> that's okay. So, yeah, uh, this one, uh, yeah, as a 40-year-old guy, <laughs> I am enjoying this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say the, the picks for this week are all, for the most part, um, ones that I would recommend if somebody wanted to open up a book and jump in somewhere. None of them were bad. Yeah. I think there were deficiencies in Iron Man. Yeah, because a, a book that's called Iron Man in which there is no Iron Man, that's a deficiency. Yeah, it's, it's got a minor problem. But, but I mean, I, I, I think, you know, until we started talking about it, for me, it was like, oh, Bendis is being Bendis. It's like, oh, look, we have all these people talking. And look at the dialogue. Oh, he writes such enjoyable dialogue. And that's like, oh, wait, where's Iron Man? <laughs> it's, if you're buying it because it's like, oh, Bendis book, you're going to be fine with Iron Man. Yeah. That is a stereotypical Bendis book. Just people talking, including weird layouts that are kind of hard to follow sometimes. But Not in a Bendis book. I know. It's hard to believe. But yeah, it's a perfectly good Bendis book. As a st- Stepping on to point for Iron Man because hey, Marvel Legacy, yeah, I don't well, think it's nearly as good. No, it's not. It's not as as good or as strong as as Thor seven hundred. However, as a jumping on point, if you wanted to, for whatever reason, get into Iron Man, you can. You know why? Friday gives you a two page spread of exposition right up front. Yep. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they could have done it with one panel. Showtime, a holes. There we they go. Could've. Just they Tony could've. Stark comes out. I am Tony Stark again. <laughs> How'd that happen? We'll get into that in the next five or six issues. In the meantime, enjoy Iron Man, for fuck's sake. Right, right. <laughs> but, I, yeah, but yeah, it's a, for the most part, uh, the, the books we talked about this week I enjoyed. Iron Man was the weakest of them, but still, it's I enjoy a Bendis book. If you take it on, fine. It is a, 
It is a comic completely disconnected from anything called Legacy or anything somebody might want from a book called Legacy. And let's pretend it's not a big deal. It's uh, just Iron Man volume <coughs> number one. Let's it was it, fine. It's interesting that all of these books, in their own way, even the ones that aren't called Legacy, are pulling from a, a historied past. <laughs> well, that's a great thing about comic books. And it's... No matter how they number them, whether it's, you know, uh, it's volume whatever, number four, or no, this is the 9,000th. The cool thing about comic books is you will always have more story. There's always something that you can track down that you haven't read yet. Yeah. It is, the Marvel Universe is, and the DC Universe, despite a couple of reboots, and even with the reboots, you can say, well, that is just a chapter break in the story where things are different. You will never read all of it. It's this massive narrative undertaking. Yeah. Where you get as much of it as you can or as much of it as you want. But if you want more, there's more you can go back to. I mean, classic Fantastic Four stories. Got drunk last night. Yeah, send me the books. I ain't read them yet. <laughs> <laughs> as important to the Marvel Universe as anything being printed now, but I can go back and get them. Then that's the great thing about comics. It's. You'll never get to all of it. You can no. spend your whole life trying. Some of it's going to be great. Some of it's going to be, why did I go to this convention to get fucking Star Hunters 6? <laughs> Just because I never read the end? There's a reason it only made it to 6, I mean, but it meant something to me. I was glad to get it. <laughs> not like you woke up drunk and said, huh, I got the, I got the complete history of Star Fox. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need the complete history. It's like a porno tape. I need the first 30 seconds. And then say, <laughs> I'm done with Star Fox forever. <laughs> That's a hell of a note to end it on. You want to end it on that? Sure. All right. <laughs> I don't know where you found this particular episode, <laughs> uh, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash crisisoninfinitemidlives. We don't post there nearly as much as I probably should. Uh, see again, getting up uh, and staying at work till three a.m. But uh, weekly you can peeing always, on himself. Weekly peeing on myself. <laughs> you <can> always. <laughs> I, I wanted to get more with weekly drinking beer. Somehow it turned into peeing, but not inaccurate. You can always send us messages through Facebook. We are on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Infinite Midlife. Yes. Uh, and we are on Tumblr. Uh, Crisis at Infinite Midlives. .tumblr.com. We are on iTunes. You can subscribe to the show there if that's how you like to get your podcasts. You can also leave us a review, give us a rating. It helps new people find the show. We are on Google Play Network. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on TuneIn Radio. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. And you can always email us, crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. All right. So this has been episode 163 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlife show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening. And derp. My name is Hiro Nakamura. I'm from the future. And I have a message for you. It's weekly, weekly drinking, not weekly peeing. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I saw. <laughs>